listening to Redeemer Church of Denton's sermon audio. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit us online at RedeemerDenton.com. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 1 to 5, and specifically verse 2 today. Um, This is kind of obviously a a unique day and a unique moment, Uh, so we're taking a break from our Hebrews series. Um, And next week, we're actually going to start kind of a a new small series that we're calling uh, a Glorious Future. We're going to be looking at um, our glorious future of paradise and and the new heavens and the new earth and uh, what all of those things look like. And so I'm excited about that next series that we're going to dive into next week. Let me pray for us and then uh, we'll dive into our text this morning. Father God, we just thank you again for just the moment to be here. And Lord, as we pray every week as we did at McNair Elementary and Driven Elite and Game One and, and now here, Lord, we pray that uh, this a moment as we gather together that this would be central to our spiritual lives. Lord, we know that we can't look in to find truth. We need to look out to your word. We, we need to hear from something outside of us. Uh, we, we deceive ourselves and we look in. And so, Lord, we need your word. And Lord, we know that your spirit and your word work in tandem. And so, Lord, we ask for your spirit to be in this room right now and uh, for our brothers and sisters who Uh, are watching online. We just pray that your spirit would even move there. Father, help us to uh, see the things that we need to see. Convict us where we need conviction. Open our eyes. Encourage us where we need encouragement. Lord, we pray that uh, I would not say anything out of step with your will or your word, but I would simply hide behind the cross. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen. Well, once again, welcome to the grand opening of, of our new building. And really today is, is the culmination uh, of a few years of hard work and a lot of praying and a lot of planning. In fact, it, it took a lot of teams of people even to get to this point. I mean, we had teams of people trying to determine, okay, should we even get into a space like this? And teams of people uh, wrestling with, okay, well, where do we go? And uh, I'm probably the worst negotiator of all time. And so we gave that to a team of people. So, you know, we, we didn't pay through the notes or something crazy wouldn't happen. And there were teams of people that uh, picked out colors and carpets and all these uh, different things. And so uh, you guys ha- have been amazing getting us to this point. Uh, our, the members of our church have given sacrificially to make this happen, but also there's been people outside of our church who've caught a vision for this and have given uh, generously to this project. And God has been with us through every twist and turn of this. He's abundantly provided for us. One of the prayers of the staff and elders through this process is that God would grow our faith in this, and and he's certainly grown mine. Further, uh, because of all of that, really today, I think, is a celebration. It's a moment where we uh, can and I think should stop and just recognize all that God has done, all the different ways that God has provided for us. And I think because of that, it's, it's fitting in a moment like this. And, uh, you know, I've 
meant to preach this sermon about five weeks ago, and I was going to say it's also the beginning of a new year, which I don't know if that still counts, but a new building and maybe sort of a new year. I think this is a good moment to kind of stop and go back to first principles, go back to those main things that drive uh, our church and, and define who we are. This is a perfect moment to go back to why we did all this praying and planning and working and giving. It's a moment uh, to, for us to go back and say, okay, wh- why again did we plant Redeemer Church a number of years ago? Uh, you, you see, by going back to first principles, th- they really help guide us into the future. If we know the why questions, if we know why we got here, why we planted this church, uh, why we picked a purple building, and why we're here it helps us know where we're going. It kind of serves it as a guide for us. Uh, we should never stray from those first principles that have led us into this beautiful new p- facility. I think this message is important today because it answers some key questions about why we're in this space. Why does Redeemer Church exist? What, what are the subtle threats to the existence of a church like ours? What, what, what takes this off course? How do we maintain the main thing? Well, why do we build this space? And what do we want to be about in the coming years? And in order to answer those questions, I, I again want us to look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 2, and specifically verse 2. And I want us to see that Redeemer Church is here to fully, foolishly exalt, uh, not ourselves, but we're to foolishly exalt Jesus and his good news. Christians have always uh, fallen into this subtle trap of exalting ourselves on the way to trying to exalt Jesus. And the problem with that is, is every time we fall into that trap, we end up uh, 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 invalidating the power of God. We don't tap into that power of God that transforms us when we're actually exalting ourselves versus Him. We can care more about building platforms or maybe establishing a brand, but but in doing all of that, we end up losing the power of God as we try to exalt ourselves. It's a foolish endeavor. But the gospel is foolishness to the world. And in this uh, foolishness is what keeps the world from coming to the gospel, but we actually know that the foolishness of the gospel, if you will, is actually the transformative power of God. So what I want us to do today is to recognize that we need to be a church that foolishly exalts Jesus. Now, let me do one more thing before we dive into our text. Two points of context, if you will, of 1 Corinthians. Number one, 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a town called Corinth. I thought it was maybe fitting. So uh, there was a town in Greece called Corinth. This is a church written to a local church like ours. Uh, But Paul has written this letter to address an issue. In fact, he's addressing a problem. The problem in this church in Corinth was that they had division in their church. And listen, uh, division uh, happened, you know, centuries ago in Corinth, Greece, and it can happen in Corinth or Corinth, Texas, however you say it, uh, but, and it can happen today. And so this uh, passage is still very, very relevant for us today. But second, uh, contextually here, the solution that Paul provides to the problem of division is that he takes this church back to their first principles. He takes them back to Jesus and the gospel. He takes them back to the main thing and, and, and talks about how are we supposed to maintain that main thing. Specifically, and, and I think this is the, the theme verse or the key verse of 1 Corinthians, is verses 118, which says, for the, word of, for the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, the 
The world always looks at the church and always looks at the gospel and says, that's foolishness. Why would you spend time doing that? Why would you spend money on that? Why would you worship a God who suffered and died? Why do you have those ethical convictions? So Christianity is foolishness. It's foolishness in the eyes of the world. But we know in that foolishness is, as he says there in verse 18, it's the power of God to transform us. Okay, well, two questions today from our passage. What should not mark Redeemer Church? And what should mark Redeemer Church? If you're new with us, you know, this is what it is here. It's not that hard, okay? Everything is pretty straightforward. It's not more creative than that. Let me read verses uh, 1 to 5, and then we'll look at what should not mark Redeemer Church. Verse 1 And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message was not not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and, and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul kind of makes four points here pretty quickly. First, he says, the manner in which he preached was not impressive in the eyes of the world. He he says here that it was not marked by lofty speech or wisdom. Number two, he says the reason uh, it was not impressive, and he was intentionally trying to not be impressive, if you will, in that way, is because uh, he simply and, and plainly preached Jesus in the gospel. He says here, he decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Number three, he, he says that further the manner in which he preached only Christ and his gospel was marked by weakness, it was marked by fear, and, and it was void of any worldly wisdom. So, however, even though it was foolish in the eyes of the world, Paul does all of that because uh, if, if it was uh, wise and impressive in the eyes of the world, it would actually take away from the power of God. And, and then fourth, he says, the reason for this type of preaching is that the hearers would not rest in worldly wisdom, but, but would rather uh, have something better, which is the power of God. One of my um, biggest leadership principles, if you will, is, is to set expectations, and so uh, I'm, I'm big on, listen, I, I want to be clear on expectations before you dive into something. And so uh, with, with our staff, I'm really big on them creating job descriptions for all their, uh, for all their leaders. And th- what's behind that is, is listen, if you're a, 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 a Redeemer, uh, Redeemer Kids teacher, or if you're on the ALT with uh, Redeemer Student Ministry, or if you're a greeter, I, I want you to know how to be successful in that. We, we want to be clear on that. We don't want you to kind of be fumbling around on that. And so the staff works hard on creating these job description so we're kind of setting expectations so you kind of know the time commitment what you're buying into and all these sorts of things this is why we have a membership class and, and this we're really big on that on membership okay we, we want you to know what you're buying before you buy it okay and, and listen the reason for that is is you know as years have gone by I, I've been in churches where you know somebody quickly jumps into a church and and they don't really buy into the vision of the church and they're not maybe going the same direction of the church and what ends up happening is they become really frustrated because they want to go this way and and the church is actually going to go that way and and so it's really frustrating to them and and then I've been on the other side of the table where you've had leaders where you know they're excited about a direction and then you know you have somebody who's maybe not bought in and they're always kind of trying to drag it this way and then you know if you're not real careful in those scenarios division can pop up 
See, a healthy church is a unified church. That's the point of this. That's the point of setting expectations. That's the point of, of going back to, okay, uh, what are we not going to be? What are, what are we going to be? be? Because if we don't do that, it's going to get in the way of us being a unified church. And listen, churches, like all organizations, need to know uh, who they are, and they need to let those core convictions then drive where they're going. They need to set clear expectations. Therefore, uh, churches, again, like all organizations, need to know what they're not. What should not mark Redeemer Church? Well, again, going back to our text, we should not be marked by lofty speech or worldly hype. We should not be marked by what he says here is wisdom or manipulation in any form. We should not be marked by, by worldly strength or, or what the world says is successful. We're doing something different than what the world thinks is successful. We shouldn't be marked by worldly confidence. Our, our, our hope, uh, we shouldn't hope in what the, the world hopes in. We should not be marked by what he says here is plausible words of wisdom or what the world says is good or right or true. We might be saying something else is good and right and true than what the world says. Related, Redeemer Church has not been and it will not be a church that, that ever oversells or underdelivers. You see, what I mean is, is that our church has not been and it's not going to be a church that, that manipulates your emotions or waste your time playing political games. See, we don't want to be a, a church that tries to compete with other churches. Like, I, we look at other churches in our city and our county, and we're like, yes, there, there, there's more guys in the trenches with us. We celebrate other churches. We don't view them in competition. Our church has not been and will not be a church that's overly focused on buildings and budgets and bodies. L listen, budgets and this building, they're just a tool for something. Okay, it's a tool for us to try to reach more people with the gospel. This isn't about identity or pride or anything like that. These things are just tools to get us to where we're trying to go. Our church hasn't been and it's not going to be a church that, that is wrapped up in the latest fad or the latest ism or, or some secular view of how uh, you can be happy or healthy. We find vague platitudes about having faith and faith or, or, or maybe some sort of undefined love. We find all that stuff very unhelpful for us. Redeemer Church has not been and it uh, will not be a church where the world will always view us as good or right or true. If the world cares about us at all, they're just going to kind of shrug their shoulders and, and view us as foolish. I don't have a cool backstory I don't have any good jokes for you. Uh, there, there's nothing impressive in us in that way. Why should we spend money on a purple building? Friend, there's uh, a, a lot of things that we're not. There's a lot of things that we're not going to be. But just like Paul's ministry in Corinth, Greece, our ministry in Corinth, Texas, is very strategic in that way. And I say strategic because we don't want uh, uh, maybe even good things to, to pull us off course of the great things of Jesus and his gospel. Being wise in the eyes of the world would rob us of the power of God. It would be foolish in that way if we uh, were concerned with being wise in the eyes of the world. So what should mark Redeemer Church? Well, look again with me at verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, the, the mark we want to make as Redeemer Church is we want to be a church that exalts Jesus and, and proclaims his gospel. We're to know nothing is what he says here, except for Jesus and his gospel. 
Now, of course, that doesn't mean we have no knowledge of other things. I mean, even to get to this point, right, like we needed people who had knowledge of, of architecture and, and uh, uh, city codes and, and the best paint colors and the best carpets and how to negotiate uh, a real estate deal. We, we needed all that knowledge. But all that knowledge kind of served a, a greater knowledge. And all that knowledge served something more important. They're only known in light of this greater knowledge. Paul is talking about maintaining the main thing, which again is exalting Jesus and exalting his gospel. Redeemer Church should be about clearly exalting Jesus. That's what we're about here. If you're new with us, we want to be experts in Jesus. And listen, that's because there's nothing more glorious than God. There's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more satisfying. There's nothing more glorious to ponder or to think about or to dream about or to base your spirituality about or to base your marriage about or or to base your entire life upon than Jesus himself. He's the one who is from eternity past, before time began. He's the one who's perfectly good. He never does evil. He always does things at the perfect time. He, he's the one who, who knows always how to say things with the right tone. He, he's never too hard on us or too soft on us. He's perfect in all he does. He's the one who has sovereignly created all of creation. And he just spoke it and life happened. He's the one who now rules over all things. He's the one who knows all. He's in all places. That doesn't mean he is all things. He's also all powerful. But here's a cool twist to it. He says that he's the great I am, which means he's unchanging in all of those things. So he's he's never became more perfect or more good. He, uh, He doesn't grow. He doesn't get better. It's because he just is. All of those glorious things, all those glorious truths, they culminated in the life of Jesus. So when you think about the life of Jesus, he was God who put on human clothes when he came into earth, right? But think about his life and ministry while he was here. Like he was in a storm, and he looked at that storm and said, stop, and it stopped. I've tried it. It doesn't work. (laughs) Like he, when people were hungry, he just created food. When he forgave, people were forgiven. When uh, people uh, besperched him and, and spat on him and tortured and killed him, he turned the other cheek. You see, all the sphere of life around Jesus, if you think about it, that was the kingdom of God. Like, like that's the way life is supposed to work and, and that whole sphere around him. So if you think about it, Jesus taught people and he transformed lives. He healed people. He brought new life into their lives. They were uh, functioning as citizens of another world. There's never been one like him and there's never gonna be anybody like him until he returns. Hebrews 1.3 says it this way. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making uh, purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Redeemer Church is all about holding him high. It's about revering him in our hearts. We're here to worship him and magnify him and to praise him and to find joy in him. Redeemer Church is about clearly exalting Jesus. Jesus is who we're all about. But the verse goes further. It talks about not only that we know him, Jesus, but him crucified. So we're talking about now the work of Christ. We're talking about the gospel and the good news. So Redeemer Church is also clearly about uh, exalting Jesus' gospel, Gospel simply means good news. They're synonymous uh, phrases. And by good news, meaning it's like, like a newspaper article, right? Like it's, it's, it's meant to just kind of be a report on something. 
Like it, it doesn't matter if you uh, believe that uh, Jesus died on the cross for your sins or not. Like that doesn't determine if it's actually true or not. It happened if you believe it or not is the point. And our job is just to proclaim it as the good news that it is. The, the good news is that Jesus died as a payment for our sins. That was the point of the cross is not to just be an example of sacrificial love or, or a model for how to do it. It was certainly that. But it was so much more than that. It was satisfying justice. It was satisfying the wrath of God. It was an atonement for our sins. And then when he rose again on the third day, it was an example of him uh, defeating sin and death and rising victorious, showing, listen, I did it. I'm, I'm victorious over this. And if we believe in him and if we believe in his atoning work on the cross and our sins are forgiven. But it doesn't stop there because our sins being forgiven means that we've moved into like a new legal category. Before we were guilty, and now we're not innocent in the sense that we never sin again. We're innocent in, again, that we've been covered. We've been covered by the blood of Christ. But it, but it goes further than that. Because not only are we in a new legal category, we're actually in a new family, aren't we? The Bible talks about that we were enemies of God, and now all of a sudden we're adopted children of God. I mean, what a dramatic shift, right? And it goes further than that because we're then indwelt by the Holy Spirit, And the Holy Spirit is always with us. He's always indwelling us. He's always encouraging us. He's always convicting us. He's always ministering to us. These are the facts of the story. This is the truth. This is the good news that we're here to proclaim. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the good news. That's the purpose of this place. That's the purpose of our church is to tell as many people those truths as possible. And listen, if, if you're here today and maybe that's new for you, or maybe you've heard that before, but all of a sudden, lights are starting to come on. Listen, I want to invite you when we, we start singing again, some of our pastors and elders are in the back and, and they would love to just sit down and answer questions for you, talk to you, pray for you because we don't want you to walk out of this building today not being in a right relationship with God. This is the news we teach and preach and proclaim in Corinth, Texas and in Denton County and around the world to anyone who will listen to us. We want to exalt Jesus and his gospel. The gospel is what we're about. Okay, but believing those things and, and a living according to those things is foolishness to the world around us, isn't it? Like, like if you think about it, the world doesn't really believe there's a God. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that the vast majority of people are like card-carrying atheists, okay? You have to like go to grad school and talk yourself into that. What I'm saying is, is that most people function in life as, as materialists, M- meaning that really how most people go through life is they look at, okay, what, what is today about? And what are the things that I can see? Those are the things that I believe, and thus, that's how I'm going to live. Therefore, the world uh, believes that it's foolish that we would think that God is the most glorious person or the most glorious thing to pursue. The, the world would think that this is uh, foolish to, uh, to pursue this. Because what is the world about? The world is about pursuing their fleshly desires. That's where you find happiness. It's in the here and now. It's in the physical but, but if uh, uh, it's foolish to deny yourself and to take up your cross and follow him, that they believe wealth is more glorious. It's foolish to waste your money on a church or a ministry or a nonprofit or charity. That they believe popularity is more glorious. But like it's foolish not to do whatever it takes to get that boy or that girl to like you or to get as many clicks as possible. But like that's wise. That's how you're going to be happy. That's what the world believes. 
It's foolish to sacrificially love and exalt someone above yourself. They think politics is a better religion. It's foolish to hope uh, in, the, in the kingdom that is to come that, and, and that happiness will certainly be found if our candidate wins, right? Like, like that's a sure way uh, to, to find happiness, that if your candidate wins, then everything's going to be good, right? That's, that's my sarcastic joke for today. So They believe we can create our own meaning and purpose and that it's brave and courageous to then uh, live according to those constructed identities. It is foolish to submit to an ancient book and to ancient ethics and to ancient uh, teachings on who we are as people. What we've done with this building and what we're doing today is foolishness in the eyes of the world. But it would be truly foolish to believe those criticisms, wouldn't it? Like, like, Like think about those ideas that dominate our world. Like isn't it foolish to follow those things? Like, like ambitiously pursuing accolades. Like, like that might get more plaques on the walls or more trophies on your shelves. But it's not going to really lead to sacrificially loving people. In, in fact, those pursuits might lead to an empty funeral, right? Like, like think about it. Brutishly pursuing the, ple- the pleasures of your flesh. Like that might be good. That might feel good for a moment. But that's not going to really satisfy your soul. And in reality, if that's the way you live your life, There's no such thing as a victimless crime. If that's the way you live your life, it's going to stunt your spiritual growth. It's going to kill your soul, and it's probably going to harm those closest to you. You see, there's uh, uh, some people um, uh, believe that more money is going to be the thing that that fixes all their most fundamental problems. But listen, getting a, a new dress or a new truck like that's not really going to make you happy, is it? Like like it's going to feel good in the moment. There's nothing wrong with those things. But, but if you're tying those type of things uh, to your happiness, it might tingle for a moment, but eventually you're going to need another car, right? I mean, sh- should we get into politics here, right? Like, like I'm convinced the most unhappy people in our country are the ones who make politics their religion, that they're only happy if their guy or gal wins, and then they're crushed if their guy or gal lose, loses. If you're there, it, it might be a, 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 re- a religious thing for you that you're placing happiness in the wrong thing. Hear me, I'm not saying politics isn't important. I think it's very important. But I'm just saying if we, believe, if we make politics our religion, it's not going to satisfy. Our culture is undergoing a sexual revolution. And they, and they believe that, listen, if, if I want to switch from being a boy to a girl or being a girl to a boy, then listen, that means that I'm living truly free and authentic and that's going to lead to happiness. But the reality of it is, is those insecurities are still going to be there when they look in the mirror. I recognize that we're foolish in the eyes of the world. However, isn't it truly foolish to buy what the world is selling? Isn't Jesus better than those things? I think that's the point. Isn't he more satisfying than those things? Like, isn't abundant life found more with him than those things? Than holding up this, this ancient Bible and saying, I'm going to do it this way. Doesn't that bring much more joy and satisfaction in your life? Redeemer, sh- Redeemer Church should know nothing except for Jesus Christ. And the reason is, is he's better than everything else. Listen, isn't the gospel better than the wisdom of the world? Isn't our identity in him better than any constructed identity that you can conjure up? Isn't it better to know who you are in Him than to kind of fumble around out in the world and kind of create your own identity? Isn't that better? Isn't the fact that we have new life in Him better than a a life that is chasing popularity or wealth? 
isn't the news that our sins can be forgiven and that we can walk in spiritual communion with God Almighty and that when we can die, then we're, uh, then we're going to be in the heavenly halls with the angels singing holy, holy, holy in perfect happiness and joy. Isn't that better than if your guy wins his political office? Are you with me? Like, listen, that's why we're here is because these things are better than anything the world has to offer. Redeemer Church should know nothing except for Him crucified. Again, 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Friends, turn from knowing anything except for Jesus and His gospel. That's my life-giving message to you today, and that's the life-giving message that we have for you every Sunday. That's the message of our church. Whatever you are, are putting above him, and listen, be honest, maybe it's something kind of tucked away in that, in that hidden corner of your heart. Whatever you're putting above him is a poor substitute. It won't fulfill. It won't satisfy Rather, friends, believe that Jesus and his gospel is better than any form of self-exaltation. Listen, the, the call today is to believe him, to take him at his word, to believe in what he's done. The message of this church is not to believe in yourself, it's to believe in Jesus. You're never gonna be good enough. But the good news is that he was good enough for you. That's the point. That's why we sing worship songs we don't sing worship songs that say, I'm pretty good and I think I'm getting in. That's a terrible worship song. <laughs> we sing worship songs that say, amazing grace. That's what we needed. You can't exalt yourself and Him at the same time. Believe in Him and be saved. Listen, Redeemer Church isn't selling anything shiny. We don't have anything cutting edge. But what we do have is ancient. And what we do have is tried and true. God has given us a glorious vision. However, I know it's foolishness to the eyes of the world, but don't be fooled. That vision is simply beautiful, isn't it? And listen, our message is plain and, and clear, but again, don't be fooled. It's so profound that we're never gonna fully mine it. We're never gonna run out of opportunities to apply it again and, and to live it out in fresh ways and to experience joy again with it. That's because our Jesus is wise and truthful. And, and the news about him is life-giving and joyful and satisfying. It's not, quote, the wisdom of men. But again, it's, quote, the power of God. Therefore, we have decided that, that, we, have nothing, uh, that we have nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him uh, crucified. That's our heart. That's our joy. Years ago, and I'll leave you with this, a, a famous British author and scholar, C.S. Lewis, he, he wrote about these eternal issues. And I've quoted this before uh, in our church, but, but I think there's something profound here. In a very British way, he said it this way. He said, quote, it, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. It's like, an, it's like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the, at the sea. He is far too easily pleased. That's us, isn't it? And that's why we're here to remind us of the joy of Jesus in the gospel. Jesus said it this way, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Listen, I know self-exaltation and self-gratification and self-absorption 
I, I know those are the ways of the world. And, and I know our fleshly desires are drawn to those things. I know the world looks at us and it doesn't give us a second thought because it just doesn't make any sense. It, it's foolishness what we're doing here today. But Redeemer Church is here to foolishly exalt Jesus and his good news. If you're here today for the first time, that's what we're about. That's what we want to do in this building. We have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And even this passage is just a joyful reminder that there is nothing better than you. The reason why we don't have anything impressive is because there's nothing more impressive than you. The reason why we don't want to exalt ourselves and build our brands and compete with people and that, those sorts of things, because it's so unsatisfying. There, there's something better than all that, and it's you. You're the one that we want to exalt. You're the one that, uh, that uh, the things that you did on the cross and the good news of the gospel, that's where we find our joy. It's not in the ways of the world. And we know that that's like alien talk to the world around us. We know it's so different. But Lord, in that difference, in that foolishness, is where our joy is found. So Lord, today we praise you. We thank you that we have something better. We praise you that we have you. May we be a church that foolishly exalts Jesus and his gospel. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray, amen.